Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm your host today, Aaron Snyder. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Denver South Platte River and Tributaries Project, which is the Corps' latest public-private partnership or P3 pilot project. With us today are Josh Lavely, Ashley Grace from the City and County of Denver, and Kayla Eckert-Upmore and Bert Mantea from the Corps Omaha District to talk about this exciting project. Thank you all for joining us here today. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. All right, so before we get into this and start talking about this exciting project, um, I want you each to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with either the city or the core. Let's start with you, Josh. Yeah, I'm Josh Lakely. I'm the chief projects officer for the mayor. And what that means is I have the best job in the city and county of Denver because I just get to help shepherd public projects and private projects through and just make sure that when we hit snags or things get bound up or need funding, that I get to jump in front of them and try to help. Great. Uh, my name is Ashley Grace. I am the director of the South Platte and Tributaries Program, or what we're now calling the Waterway Resiliency Program. Um, I am within the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure at the City and County of Denver, and so I have the pleasure and opportunity of leading the city's project team to carry this project forward. Yeah, I am Bert Mattia. I am a program project manager in the civil works branch of the Corps of Engineers. I work for Kayla Ecker at Atmore. And uh, the South Platte River and Tributaries Project is a program that I'll be uh, working jointly with city and county in Denver in uh, execution. Yes, good afternoon. I'm Kayla Eckert Upmore. I'm the Chief of Civil Works for the Omaha District and the Omaha District Commander's Congressional Liaison with the Corps. And uh, my role in the project is once it's authorized and appropriated funding by Congress to move forward, then it comes to my office to uh, work with the city and, and put the project in the ground. Well, thank you all for, for joining us here today. I'll have to admit that obviously I've been also part of this project, so it's a little bit hard sometimes to be the host of the podcast and, and talk about a project that I know so well. But I'm really excited about this project and I'm really excited about the partnership that's forming between uh, the city of Denver and the Corps of Engineers and this new way to implement projects. So before we get into how we're going to deliver it, Ashley, could you tell us a little bit about the project itself? Yes, of course. So this project, which we are now calling locally, at least the Waterway Resiliency Project or Water for short, uh, formerly known as the South Platte River and Tributaries Project, is really the result of an unprecedented alignment of preparation, partnership, political will, and funding, thanks to the bipartisan infrastructure law funds. And it will result in reshaping Denver's main river, the South Platte River, and will remove hundreds of structures from flood risk adjacent to city waterways. So in 2014 to 2018, the Corps and the city partnered on the Integrated Feasibility Report and Environmental Impact Statement, now known as the FEIS, and that resulted in the Chief's Report and the Record of Decision in 2019, and the project was actually authorized in WERDA 2020. In early 22, the big and exciting news was announced that the full federal funding um, was was announced via the bipartisan infrastructure law funds, so making this project a reality and an opportunity to move forward. 
So specifically, this project will result in aquatic, riparian, and wetland habitat along six and a half miles of the South Platte River in both Adams and Denver counties, uh, which will include restoring and enhancing 160 acres of riparian and wetland habitat, uh, restoring and enhancing 100 acres of aquatic habitat, and reconnecting 190 acres of surrounding habitat. This habitat will be improving habitat for three species listed under the Endangered Species Act, 12 state-listed endangered species, and 14 birds uh, listed on the National Birds of Conservation of Concern list. It will also result in flood risk mitigation for hundreds of properties along South Flat River, the Weir Gulch, and Harvard Gulch. Um, additionally, this will enhance multimodal connectivity, and it will increase access to open space and recreational amenities throughout the city. And most importantly, for both us and our partners at the core, this program will directly benefit some of Denver's most vulnerable under-resourced neighborhoods. You know, it'll be providing tree canopy and vegetation that can help mitigate some of our urban heat island challenges and air quality issues. It will be providing flood risk mitigation, and it will be increasing access to recreational mobility in, in areas where opportunities to lead healthy and active lives, uh, that kind of thing is needed most. Thanks, Ashley. And could you expand a little bit on, so where in Denver is this exactly located? So if, you know, some of our listeners are traveling to Denver, have no idea, you know, of how big Denver is or where this is at, you know, where's this river at we're talking about? So Denver has one river, one and only river, uh, the South Platte. It primarily runs adjacent to I-25, so almost right down the center of the city, just a little to the west and the South Platte portion we will be working on of the 11 mile stretch within Denver will be the northern six and a half miles or so of the South Platte River. So starting roughly around 6th Avenue and the eco restoration work will um, continue all the way into Adams County, which is the county just north of Denver. And then Weir Gulch is in southwest Denver. So this will be connecting from the confluence of Weir Gulch and the South Platte River and headed west to the boundary of the county or the city and county of Denver um, at Sheridan Boulevard. And our Harvard Gulch improvements will be really impacting property owners uh, within the Harvard Gulch area, so adjacent to the Gulch, which is in kind of the, the center of the city on the southern end of the city. Great, thanks for that. So this is a really exciting project. Obviously, lots of components, flood risk management, ecosystem restoration. Um, so it should have some some pretty significant impacts for the community and lots of benefits for the environment as well. Uh, the core is looking to implement this project using a very innovative and new approach uh, referred to as Section 204. Bert, could you talk a little bit about Section 204 and, and how we plan to utilize it within this project? Sure. Section 204 authority has existed for quite some time, however, this would be the first time project of this size, actually the first time this authority is used on a Corps of Engineers project. And uh, what 204 authority allows is it allows for the non-federal sponsor to really lead the execution of the work and then submit for reimbursements from the federal share. What we're doing here in, in this project is while oftentimes this 204, was envisioned when the non-federal sponsor may have already completed the work and came back later once the project was appropriated and request those federal reimbursements at a later time. As Ashley pointed out, under the bipartisan infrastructure law, it received 
funding for that authorized cost of 550 million, that initial cost of the project. And uh, we are looking to expedite and accelerate the delivery of the project, which will provide significant savings. And along that way, under section 204, it allows the city and county of Denver to really lead in the real estate acquisition and the contract procurements. And then through the joint governance and partnership between the core and the city and county of Denver, uh, we'll lay out those project technical or requirements in those contract acquisitions. And then we'll be walking side by side together as the non-federal sponsor completes discrete segments of the work and submits for reimbursement. We'll then go through and approve and, and review and certify those to provide the those federal share uh, as reimbursements to the non-federal uh, sponsors, the city and county in Denver, so they can uh, continue the work effort. That's really exciting. So what I heard you say is that the city's gonna be implementing the project and the Corps is gonna be providing some federal oversight to ensure that the project meets the authorized outputs. It's really interesting to me because, you know, traditional delivery, it's kind of like the Corps of Engineers leads everything, the Corps is in charge of everything. We've really flipped the script here, and now the city right. of Denver is in charge of most of this with federal oversight. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct, Aaron. And really, the as Ashley pointed out, we've been working with Denver for a long time. We have a strong partnership with city and county of Denver and the Mile High Flood District. And a year ago or more, when... Uh, Denver had already looked at how to execute this work. They looked at some of the revolutionizing civil works initiatives, the USACE P3 pilot program, and really were looking and asked us what types of authorities are out there that would allow us to really accelerate the delivery. And certainly it seemed a great fit for the USACE P3 pilot program, which was applied for and recently accepted into. And really, this the city's record of partnership with the core, and also their record of delivering large-scale projects in an alternative delivery fashion that is performance-based, really tended toward us looking at different ways and different authorities to do something new and different to really leverage the uh, city and county and Denver's expertise and all the community support that they have to really optimize their participation and also optimize the project benefits in a way that takes into account the city's broader view and goals. So really having them lead the project through the real estate acquisitions, uh, because those are key and how those can impact the, the community. Again, as Ashley pointed out, this is going right through the middle of Denver uh, and really leading the procurements as, as they have a history up, just seemed like a great fit and a win-win for all. That's good. And it's a great point that you brought up about the, the pilot program. It, you know, that is a voluntary program. The city applied to that program. So they came to the core with a, a proposal for how they want to work with this. And the, the pilot program team worked with them to come up with a solution. So that demonstrates uh, how that program can work. Um, so other listeners out there, if you have a project, you know, feel free to to reach out to the, the pilot program as well. And we can coordinate that. So Josh, kind of wondering, you know, the traditional delivery core leads lots of stuff. You know, it feels like maybe the sponsors are along for the ride normally. Uh, you wanted to completely flip that script and really take charge. I'm just kind of curious as to why did the city of Denver want to take charge of this project? And really, what benefit do you think that it provides the city by taking this approach? Yeah, in jest, I'd just say we're control freaks. 
but but in actuality, you know, it's a, a lot of what Bert just touched on. We do have a lot of experience in the river. We're typically delivering projects along the river, but we've done them in kind of more piecemeal fashion, right? This is an opportunity to take a big look at the larger river, but we've been delivering projects on this river for a long time. Um, we also have a lot of experience with kind of innovative design and deliveries like CMGC and design build and progressive design build. And we wanted to bring some of that knowledge base and, and lead that effort. And, and Bert also mentioned acceleration. Look at today's inflationary pressures and you don't have to be a genius to say, boy, if I could deliver that five years faster, 10 years faster, that's a huge cost benefit to us and also an equity benefit too, when we've got disadvantaged folks that are sitting in a floodplain, the faster we can get them out, the better service we're doing for, for our constituents. I think, you know, talking about when we've got dual authorization and we're doing habitat units and we're doing bringing people out of a floodplain, uh, we've got a lot of goals throughout the city that's been a focus of the mayor for the last 12 years to try to apply equity to all of our projects. And this project has a lot of equitable components and that's in good alignment with Justice 40. And so we've been doing that for a while and we thought we could help uh, lead the way with that, both in job creation and in a lot of these areas that we're investing in, we're talking about recreational areas that are going to be installed as part of the habitat units that we're, we're putting in. And these are folks that haven't had access to that kind of recreation before. And it's a giant heat island because what we've done is we've just channelized the river and created a whole bunch of impervious surface around that really, you wouldn't think you'd have any heat, a heat island by a river, but um, we in fact do with all the industrial uses that we've kind of packed against it. I think, you know, you say we've flipped the script and we're in charge of delivery, but I would say it's really a lot of a blended team because we recognize the Corps got a lot of experience in this. and and. The core is the regulatory agency that we need to go through with this. So having the Omaha district kind of in, in lockstep with us as we proceed through the project, we saw as a huge benefit. So uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we're, we're under a section 204 that probably hasn't even been leveraged this way, right? Like discrete segments where we've split authority and, you know, core, you go deliver that segment and we'll go deliver this segment. We've kind of rethought that and we're, we're a blended team on all discrete segments as we move forward. So uh, not quite the control freaks that I joked that we may be. Um, I think we see the benefit of a good partnership and allocating risks on the project to who can best tackle them to really get the project done as efficiently as we can. Thanks, Raj. I think emphasizing that team uh, and that teamwork is really important here. And, and it is true, you guys have been in lockstep, working closely together, even today, you know, Ashley and Bert are actually sitting side by side. A lot of these podcasts we do, everybody's scattered around, but, you know, today they are together, you know, working from Denver to deliver this project. And kind of makes me think how the core normal project, you know, under traditional delivery is well known, but under this environment where we're working in this partnership, it's not the traditional way. So how does the core's role change uh, in delivery of this project? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. And that's a good question. And certainly... Those are things we know industry is looking for because we certainly need our industry partners in being successful in, in executing this work. And traditionally, the core civil works is, is done in a design, bid, build environment. And, and in this case, we're looking in alternative delivery, again, to leverage what the city and county of Denver 
has done and has proven to be able to accomplish. The, and it's great in the sense, as Josh pointed out, they recognize our expertise as the core of engineers. And so we'll be developing jointly the project technical requirements that go into procurements. And really alongside is that as the city and county of Denver executes the design and construction, we'll be reviewing, uh, providing observations and monitoring so that when city and county of Denver completes discrete segments, we have been, as, as Josh pointed out, in side by side and lockstep with them that we go through the reviews and approvals and certifications to be able to make reimbursements to the city and county of Denver of our federal share. And so really that's that's the the nuance and the groundbreaking. It's not in the project isn't cutting out the core, but I would say it's it's core light. We don't bring with it all the FAR requirements. They'll just be those man they'll be the mandatory core of engineers requirements. But again, we may have processes that uh, we as the Corps of Engineers follow when we execute uh, projects in design and construction. We'll look to the city and county in Denver of, of how, what is their process and how do they, uh, for example, show their quality control and how do they indicate that to get to acceptable design packs and really fitting in within their processes so that, again, they show us and, and we can still protect the federal interest in the project. Uh, to meet the authorized purposes and deliver the outputs that both of us want, because we both want the same thing. We want this project to really be successful, to expedite the delivery, and really come out at the end with significant cost savings. Thanks, Bert. Kayla, I'm I'm kind of curious from your perspective, district leadership, how you view this project and how it will be different for the Corps of Engineers, and then also which benefits uh, you see the Corps getting from this type of approach. Yes, thanks, Aaron. So, you know, I, for the listeners, I think it's important. Let's, uh, I'll take a step back and make sure everybody understands like our primary mission areas for the Corps of Engineers and our jurisdiction, our flood risk reduction, ecosystem restoration, and navigation. And so this covers two of those major um, missions and one opportunity for, for the state and for the city. We historically, um, I think it is probably goes back to the Water Resource Development Act of 1986 that gave us our authority and really started directing us to work with local partners. And with the effort that even though the Corps of Engineers and the federal government may assist in building, ultimately the operations and maintenance responsibility is are the local uh, state governments, city governments, or the counties. So in this instance, it's, it's very exciting. If you look, the fact that we I guess I like to use the analogy, you know, on authority and appropriation that when you're 16 years old, your parents may give you the opportunity to drive the car that's giving you authority, but without the appropriation, you're not going anywhere. You need an appropriation of gas. And we work the same way, much like an architectural engineering firm, different than a lot of other federal agencies that we get a we get authority to do something and then separately we'll get funding to move it forward if that's what um, the administration and or Congress would like us to do. So in this particular case, it's it's quite interesting because the city is very progressive and how they're moving forward to work both to get the authority, help us complete the study, make a recommendation to Congress, and then be part of the decision-making, or at least the process, I should say, and bringing in the appropriation. So as we move forward, normally the Corps of Engineers would say, how exciting, a big construction project. We would, I, I think it's been touched on a little bit, but we would design it, we would um, contract out the construction, and 
all of this process, even between the non-federal sponsor, in this case, you know, City and County of Denver, we would work with the private companies as well to, to build it, and the Corps would have a, an oversight role. What's exciting is I think we've taken this the next step, as Bert was saying, on revolutionizing civil works to where we oversee it all. So we have a partner now, you know, Word 86. We've been doing that for almost 30, you know, 30-some years now. And so now it's the next step of that engagement and trust in the local sponsor to know that they've got the ability to play much of that same role. We still want to be innovative on the government side and make sure that we have um, teams that are working closely, that we can have an exchange of technical information and knowledge as we move forward. But really, the local sponsor who's going to ultimately operate and maintain it have a lot of the direction and say and how it's going to form into their bigger goals as a state. So I think it's just that next evolution, which is kind of exciting of the federal government constructs it. Well, no, we work closely with a local entity um, who's you know quite capable in this instance of delivering such a, a big project and maneuvering uh, the ground to see it provide the ecosystem restoration benefits that we committed to Congress that the project would provide as well as the flood risk reduction and especially a component that has, as Josh was alluding to, the, uh, the environmental justice piece. So it's exciting. I think it's that next um, evolution of how the federal government, particularly the Corps of Engineers, is moving forward to deliver projects. Yeah, thanks, Kayla. No, I'm really excited about this too. And, and it's almost a little surprising to me to be able to see that Oh, we are taking, I'll say, the core light version. I think Bert called it that, you know, core light approach where, you know, the sponsors are in the lead of this. They're in charge of the delivery at the core's reviewing compliance, helping them along the way. So, Ashley, kind of curious from your perspective, now that the core has taken this approach with you in partnership um, and said, hey, you know, here are the reins. You guys are in control. We're going to be there to help you and oversee this. But really, the ball's in your court. What is the city planning to do to implement this project, both on the government side and from a contracting perspective? Sure, that's a great question. So, I mean, since the funding was announced earlier in 22, we've been really thinking a lot about that question and working really closely with the core and with, you know, folks across the city and across the region, really our partners, especially at Mile High Flood District are also a really important part of this to figure out what does successful delivery look like for this project and how do we set ourselves up for that successful delivery? And I think, you know, this is a pretty large project, not just financially, but also thinking about it. this is going to take, you know, roughly 10 plus years or so to deliver and manage and all of that good stuff. So we need to spend time on the forefront uh, building a really solid foundation, which is what we've been doing. So to me, that's kind of the first step in our approach here about how we're going to deliver this. So. Um, really, since early 22, we've been working to, to set up a framework that I think will really result in successful delivery, starting with, well, first of all, we're still working our way through our contractual agreements. And while it's been, you know, no one likes, I think, probably going through the contracting piece of things or coming up with those agreements, it's been a really great experience working with our, our core counterparts, because in addition to the the project partnership agreement, what has come to light is the opportunity and, and need to develop a few supporting documents um, that have been really instrumental in getting us all on the same page and have allowed us to really align on expectations with this project and how this unprecedented process can and will work in ways that, you know, 
this is this is new for the core. This is new for the city, and it puts us all a little bit out of our comfort zone. But we've developed a number of supporting um, documents and materials that are getting us to a much more comfortable level. And as Josh talked about, there's a lot of conversations about risk and where does that belong. And we've been able to have some really productive conversations in that space. So that's been one piece of it. We've also been working really hard to really build out a well blended matrix team that includes folks from the city. Again, not just my department, which is the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure, but ensuring that there are staff members from our parks department, from the mayor's office, from the Department of Finance, from anyone and everyone across the city, because this is truly a city project. And, and so we need everyone all hands on deck. And, and we've had really phenomenal citywide collaboration. Uh, but as we're building out our team, we've got our city folks, we've got our core counterparts who have been really built into this team structure. We've got our other regional partners that we talked about, the Mile High Flood District. So we've we've put together a team structure that includes a governance structure. So, you know, how is the project team itself working together? And, and also how are our leaders working together to make sure they're coming together and, and seeing kind of eye to eye and are all on the same page about how we're moving forward. You know, by building all of this, teamwork structure, it's going to help us with all the things we've talked about in terms of streamlining this project and making sure we're in lockstep and this will go as smoothly as, as a local government and a federal government agency working together can go. But we've also, you know, made sure as we're thinking about how we're putting this together, how we can ensure timely dispute resolution if that does arise, you know, hopefully we we're all on the same page at all at all moments, but in the event that there are times when we don't agree, we've already thought through, well, how will we ensure there is timely resolution to that? And again, just making sure we're all on the same page about kind of where we're at with the project and the decisions being made and how we're balancing our various priorities, et cetera. So we're building a great team. That's step one. <laughs> step two is we are looking to towards how are we going to deliver this? And as we've mentioned a number of times, we are in the alternative delivery pilot program. And, you know, that part of what that means to the city is that's why it's in my group, my department. I'm in the special projects delivery team. Uh, we specialize in alternative delivery and large scale projects. And where we're headed is, you know, we haven't selected the specific alternative delivery approach just yet. But we are moving in that direction with kind of the, the main reasons and goals for pursuing alternative delivery is first and foremost to deliver on the outputs of this project um, that we promised to Congress and were to 2020. Additionally, enhancing our recreational mobility improvements like we've talked about and all of that good stuff. But the other reason we're looking at alternative delivery is, again, the opportunities to expedite our delivery schedule to stay on budget, to minimize contracts and that integration risk, and make sure we're able to leverage industry innovation. So those are all the reasons we're looking at alternative delivery and what our alternative delivery options are. And in terms of identifying what approach we'll be taking in the alternative delivery field, we're, we're still on the beginning end of that process, but one we, we anticipate won't take all that long, but we will be moving through kind of a series of steps where we'll be ensuring the project team is aligned on what the project goals are. We'll be aligning on kind of what are our high level risks and what that risk assessment looks like and, and how we might want to allocate those risks most appropriately. We'll be ensuring we're gathering some industry feedback about, you know, how we structure this whole thing. And then finally, we'll be moving into that um, final alternative delivery evaluation and selection period to get us to um, that determination of exactly how we will deliver this project. So hopefully that all made sense. Josh, do you have anything to add there? 
No, I, I would just say from a high level, because that's all I can offer. Rarely do you get to look at so many miles of a river, right? The typical delivery, even in the city, and, and even with the Army Corps, if you don't get a full appropriation, you're kind of chunking it up. And when you do that, you limit your flexibility of where you put habitat units and what properties you acquire. And I think this innovative delivery pro approach, whether it's CMGC or Streamline Design Build or Design Build, that, that allows us flexibility of putting habitat units in different places, either to avoid hazardous materials, avoid property acquisitions, or take advantage of really good soils and really good environment to place more habitat units. And, and I, I just don't think it's every day that we get the chance to take that holistic view of the river. And I think this is just a great opportunity to do that. I would, I would even expand upon that in that it is this incredibly unique opportunity to do exactly what Josh just said. And that's why um, just back to that large city team, it's not just a Dottie project. We have our community planning and development team also working with us to ensure that whatever we're doing is also complemented by the development because Denver is, you know, developing very rapidly and there's a lot of excitement about, you know, building things around Denver. And so we're making sure that it's again, not just a Dottie project, but a citywide project so that any and all opportunities to kind of leverage this significant investment are being taken advantage of at this time. And so again, working with CPD, working with our parks and rec department, et cetera, to make sure that we're truly maximizing this beyond just the scope of the FEIS where it's um, where, where we're able to. Well, that's great. And I like that you talk about it as an opportunity and with great opportunities may come great pressure. You are paving the way for all other projects. So we have to be successful, um, but there's no doubt in my mind that you will all be successful with this because you are a great team. We're near the end of our time together, but before we go, I just wanted to, to open it up and just see if there's anything that uh, any of you would like to add. You know, I would like to just add, I think with great partnerships can come great things. And uh, in a world where sometimes I think we feel maybe there's some polarization, people talk about that a lot. I think these are just great examples where the nation's investing a lot of money through the infrastructure bill and on a lot of fronts. And I think there's opportunity where we're coming together, private, public uh, partnerships uh, between, you know, cities, counties at this federal level, state level, city, local government, and the private industry to deliver. I, I think it's just an exciting time to see us pushing these great projects to reinvest in our country forward. Yeah, just to maybe build on the, the collaboration, like we certainly appreciate, you know, trying to be forward leaning and, and working with this great team to try to do some acceleration, do some things that we think is a little bit outside the box and try to deliver better. but. At the end of the day, we're we're learning from others too, right? Like we've talked to the Fargo Moorhead team, we've talked to the LA team. Uh, we're trying to incorporate their lessons learned, and and look, we'll make mistakes too. And hopefully, someone will come call on us and say, "Hey, what would you do differently?" And and we'll have something to to take the next folks that want to take a next project to the next level. And you know, kind of the rising tide raises all ships, and I think we just want to be part of that. I think is really important, and you know. Great project delivery really is about how you allocate your risks and how well you you collaborate around those. And I think this is a fantastic team. Um, Ashley and Bert are kind of leading those efforts. And even to the point where, you know, there's the project partnership agreement, but then there's these technical memoranda that we're, will further 
identify the risks and how we're going to deal with them. And just being clear on that before you run into the challenge is really helpful. And it just really helps pave the way for a smoother delivery. So just want to appreciate everybody's efforts and all the lessons learned we've taken from others as well. All right. Well, thank you, Josh, Ashley, Kayla, and Birch for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you, and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.